When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I would just say this. If Delvin Cook does not have an extension, I definitely wouldn't expect to see him around the facility this spring. Uh, come training camp, we'll see because there's a whole bunch of implications and fines and everything else. But uh, he, I mean, he's played three years at that position. He showed this season when he was uh, fully healthy what he can do. He's had some you know, unfortunate injury situations, obviously, through the, uh, the course of his career. But he's in a, a good position in that he doesn't have a fifth-year option to the second-round draft pick. Uh, his extension is going to need to come sooner than later. Again, the Vikings with their history, a lot of their extensions don't get done until uh, right before training camp. Uh, could a deal get done sooner than that with Delvin Cook? We'll see. I would certainly expect there's going to be conversations about that in Indianapolis next week. But That was NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, Matthew Collar, and today out at the golf show, uh, co-host Sam Ekstrom from Zone Coverage. What is going on, Sam? How many putts do you think you could make out of five this like 20 foot putt that they've set up in front of us here having watched other people do it for the last hour i'm gonna say zero there's not a lot of fluctuation in the green though i think by the fifth one i'd be locked in the problem is it's extremely fast because it's just on concrete and so everyone is overestimating the speed for one which i probably would as well and it's a long way away You've played golf with me before. I can drive it pretty far. The other stuff is very shoddy. So I think I would struggle. But anybody who's sitting around here listening to us, they should come over here at the Convention Center, Minnesota Golf Show, and take a shot at it. Take a shot at the putt. You can win stuff. Uh, I think it's, what, a couple of tickets? What happens is everybody gets into a pot, and then it's a couple of tickets to the 3M Open if you're the person chosen. And if you are the one putting, we will do play-by-play of your putt (laughs) on the radio for thousands to hear. By the way, Matthew Collar, sneaky good golfer. Like, he doesn't talk a good game, but he could hustle. Like, if he was out there... Long drive contest, approach contest. That's about it. The long drive the short game is, is where we all fail, right? We're not yeah. professionals. We're not. We're not Tony Romo out there. At one time, I played a lot and could putt. The thing that I've never been good at is chipping. I've never been able to get it to backspin and stick on the green. Where I've been pretty good at times is sort of rolling it up there. But if you put any sand in front of that thing and there's nowhere to just guide it up there, uh, I'm not good. So no, I would not call myself. A, a golfer that's going to game people and say, oh, I don't know, we should bet $100 on this round because I'm bad. No, that's definitely not me. If, if you localize it, which Viking is the best golfer, do you think? Oh, it's Thielen, for sure. I mean, Thielen has played in tournaments and stuff before. 
Uh, I don't know that anybody is better. At least I've never heard of anybody being better than him. Yeah, he was like at the the Pro-Am at the 3M Open last year, I think. And I think he was like matching his PGA professional shot for shot. Yeah, for sure. So uh, come down if you want to listen to us live. That would be one reason to come all the way to the convention center. But the other reason is, of course, the golf show is going on here. One of our favorite events to broadcast from every year. A lot of people already in here and so many booths and everything set up. Uh, to get yourself ready in a day where it feels like you should be getting yourself ready. There have been times where we've done this before where we've come in and it has been zero degrees outside and it feels nothing like golf. But today the sun is out. It's getting a little warmer. Um, So we are here at the convention center. All right, Sam, we want to start out with Delvin Cook. And then I've got a poll going. And this is going to determine what we do a little later, whether we should draft all players of all time or franchises. So as in draft which franchise you would buy and then i go and you go and then we compare who ends up with the stronger group right now player draft is getting more votes on twitter all time all player draft so we might have to do that later three o'clock if you're about engagement with this radio show i think the all player draft is definitely going to create a lot of reaction just because there are so many players that it's it would be impossible for us to make the majority choice. Everyone's going to have their own opinion on it, which could be fun. I, I kind of hope people vote for that. Okay, so far, all-player draft is doing really well. So let's plan on that for maybe like 3 o'clock. First hour, though, there's a lot to get to because the NFL Combine is next week, and that's where everything happens outside of the guys going through drills in the convention center in Indianapolis. It's where all the agencies, they meet with the NFL teams, and then they go and whisper to NFL insiders at the bar, at whatever restaurant they're in, here's what's going on, here's what my client's looking for, and so forth. And we get a lot of news, a lot of buzz, lots to talk about. And Jason Lock on 4 wrote the other day that the most interesting team is the Minnesota Vikings at the Combine because they have so many players that their contracts are coming up or free agents that they might or might not be able to keep. So let me just start there with what we expect from the Combine next week in terms of who will start to hear buzz about possibly coming back, who are going to hear buzz about not coming back on the Vikings because now Everson Griffith's a free agent, Anthony Harris, we don't know about Linval Joseph, and on and on. Trey Waynes is a free agent, Xavier Rhodes. So who, would, if you were putting him into categories, who would you expect to hear is coming back? Who would you expect to hear is not coming back? I think I would expect to hear about Everson Griffin, even though he's a free agent officially now. I think we're in the same situation we were three days ago. It's just that it's been made official. I think we're going to hear there's interest in trying to renegotiate something with him. I think that's going to be tough, but I think there's interest on the Vikings side. I think there might be interest in bringing Linval Joseph back at a, at a vastly reduced salary. I don't think you'll hear that about Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to hear probably that uh, the, the Kurt Cousins camp and the Dalvin Cook camp are hoping to negotiate an extension. Yeah. And that's going to be coming from their side, where I think the Vikings have probably more reason to be resistant. Uh, but those are probably the five big names, the, the Griffin, Joseph, Rhodes, Cousins, Cook, what are you going to do with those five? And then sort of secondarily, uh, your Stephen Weatherly's, your J-Ron Curses, sort of those Im- and RFA. important role players. Eric Wilson. Not what? forget the fullback. No. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's probably, like, of the seven offensive free agents, there's probably not many that are more important than C.J. Ham. Maybe Rashad Hill. I mean, those, oh, really? those are maybe your top two offensive side, yeah. free agents, right. right? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I'm being facetious a little bit, but I do think that there will be some interest in him as an RFA as teams start to look at what happened last year with San Francisco and with the Minnesota Vikings using the fullback that they're always stealing from each other. It's a copycat league, and that position has gone up and down throughout NFL history. I wouldn't be surprised if people look at Ham and say, there aren't too many guys who do what he does, so if you want one, uh, he might be available, including Cleveland and Kevin Stefanski. Well, uh, they went out and got Johnny Stanton because the Vikings are a fullback right. factory, Johnny and Stanton, the, the Titans football. got Kari Blossom game from last year. You know, That's the right. Vikings are just churning full them out. Everybody wants a piece of the fullback. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on, though, to more controversial names. Um, the Delvin Cook point that you bring up is interesting because I think with the other guys you're talking about a now situation, and with the Delvin Cook you're thinking about a farther down the road what it's going to mean to you. So if you, for example, keep Everson Griffin, well, what's that going to mean to your salary cap situation? How much is he going to want? And how much can he impact you just really in 2020? You're not signing him to a five-year deal or anything like that. When it comes to Delvin Cook... We have to look deep into the future of the Vikings franchise to decide how important we think this is. Because Pelissero said that he does not expect Delvin to show up for anything until he has a contract. I also think he runs the risk of ending up being like Melvin Gordon last year, Mm -hmm. who held out and held out and held out, and then they just used Austin Eckler, and now Melvin Gordon doesn't look so hot. So it's a very tricky world for running backs, and in a way... I sympathize with that because not every running back at age 27 falls off the face of the earth historically. A lot of great running backs have played into their early 30s. Delvin Cook is going to be 25. You sign him to a five-year deal with the first three years where all the cap hit is. It takes him through his prime. But on this Viking side, I'm sure they know all the data. They know all the history of these contracts blowing up and how easy it is to replace some of the you know running backs who have been really really good for a couple of years but then you put somebody else in there and you get a situation like san francisco where it's mostert is the guy who i've never heard of and he's playing over tevin coleman who they paid a bunch of money and jarek mckinnon who's paid like the fifth most or average annual salary of any running back hasn't played for two years and they're, they're doing pretty well at that position but uh, there's so much nuance to this discussion, and, and I think to your point about sort of every running back not falling off the face of the earth, you, you don't need him to last five more years. Like, in defense of giving him a contract, the Vikings are usually pretty savvy about the way they structure these deals, right? Where those last two years are basically big numbers on a piece of paper that really mean nothing. That They typically do a great job of making those fourth and fifth years very flexible mm-hmm. with, with, with the salary cap. So really, you just need to, to appease him for the next three years, you know, give him something that, that's going to get him through that age 27 season, and then you can sort of decide at that point. And, and I think there's an argument that even that wouldn't be a good idea based on how, how teams have succeeded without a highly paid running back and how a lot of highly paid running backs can, can be only as good as their offensive line. And, and I think both sides need to do what's best for them. I think the Vikings need to drive a hard bargain here. They have to point out to Dalvin's camp, hey, as, as good as you are when you're healthy, you just haven't been. You haven't been healthy for three, uh, you know, any full season, including last year when you started out so well. Uh, but then if you're Dalvin's camp, I think you have to not only do yourself right, but you sort of have to stick up for 
the position. I mean, Dalvin talks to Ezekiel Elliott after the game. You know, they're in each other's ear, and, yep. and he wants to represent the running back position well. He can't just cave and set a new precedent for any running back that has three good seasons is suddenly unretainable right. because they, they, they price themselves out of a team salary cap situation. So I think both both sides are really in an unenviable spot going forward, and it's going to be become a staring contest. I can't see it getting resolved in the next couple months. I really can't. This thing's going to go probably into training camp, maybe into the next season. So let me ask you, how much do you think a couple of these things mean to this negotiation? Number one, Mike Zimmer has made it very clear. He is a big fan of running the rock. And and I've brought this up on the show before, but the chart really blew my mind that it's really close to 60-40 across the whole league now, and it hasn't been 50-50 in a very long time, but that's what Zimmer wants to see. He wants to see balance. He wants to see the run setting up the pass as opposed to the pass setting up the run, which a lot of teams look at it that way, is if we pass well, we get people out of the box, and then we hand off. And Zimmer likes to play actions and things like that, but he also likes to just keep running Delvin Cook over and over and over again. And if I'm on Delvin's side, I'm saying, all right, well, you've made it clear who the centerpiece of your offense is, and it isn't Kirk Cousins, and it isn't Diggs, and it isn't Thielen or Irv Smith. It's my guy, Delvin Cook. And also, his impact in the passing game was really significant last year. He was one of the tops in terms of yards per catch. He was number one in yards uh, after catch. He was one of the tops in uh, expected points added after catch and and things like that. So his impact goes beyond just handing off. But I wonder how much it matters to the Vikings and to their front office that the head coach clearly loves Delvin Cook and wants him here for a long period of time. And and that could certainly influence things. I think, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer, I think, sees things pretty pretty black and white that we're going to be a run first football team and and I think Gary Kubiak is going to echo that sort of in his offensive philosophy now Mike Zimmer did say um, sort of in teasing fashion on his last press conference that what's going to be the one change with Gary Kubiak we're going to change some some things in the pass game that's all he said he didn't add any layers to it but he said we're going to change some things in the pass game what does that mean does it mean more frequent passing does it mean more infrequent passing does it mean more deep passing uh more quicks, more slants. We don't know, um, but but it's clear that. The, How about just throw digs the ball more so we don't have to talk about. Well, this that's anymore. a whole other segment right <laughs> there. <Yes. laughs> that would be another another thing. But, but but it's it's all connected, and I think Kevin Stefanski used the word marriage a lot when it came to the offense. Is the run game married with the pass game? Yeah. And so if Dalvin Cook's running well, you know I think you saw a typical correlation with the ability to put together explosive pass plays and, and vice versa. So. Um, the Vikings offense, if you sort of took away one limb of that offense, it all sort of fell apart a little a little too easily, and that's where they need to be more resilient next year. But um, the, the comeback, if you're the Vikings trying to drive a bargain here, is, well, Alexander Madison was also pretty efficient, and he's also pretty good in the pass game, and he's much, much cheaper. So you've got a comeback, I think, for every argument, and I, I don't know what's going to cause the Vikings to cave with, with all of the evidence out there the last five or so years about extending running backs. Right. There, there's a pretty significant case against giving Dalvin Cook this massive deal. So, now, the same went for Anthony Barr last year, and Zimmer won out. It was very clear that Zimmer wanted desperately to have Anthony Barr back. He had been his first draft pick when Zimmer got here and felt that he was integral to the success of the defense. Well, when you look at what Anthony Barr did in terms of his impact on the defense this year, 
it really wasn't that far above what Eric Wilson's might have been. And I'm sure Zimmer would give me a bunch of X's and O's reasons why, well, we can't do this with Wilson, but we could do this with Barr and on and on and on. But the reality of that position is there are probably quite a few guys who could have produced what Anthony Barr produced this year and not for the price tag that he carries in a long-term contract extension. And, and this is where I wonder how this conversation goes because if you are the one to use the old Bill Parcells thing with the grocery list, if you make out the grocery list and then you send someone to the store, that's the front office, and they look at it and they go, Mike, pistachio nuts are just too expensive. I mean, can we just get the regular nuts? Like, do we really have to do this? And he says, no, no, I, I need the expensive item. Uh, I think that puts them in a really hard position these days, where in the past, Mike could say, oh, I want the really expensive defensive tackle. Give me Sheldon Richardson. And at that time, they could go, well, okay, we've got just enough space to be able to, to get him in there. Uh, and Richardson was worth the money. But now when you're talking about something that's too expensive, you're in a really tough spot unless they have big plans to make a lot of space in the future where they feel like a Delvin Cook contract wouldn't hurt them. And by make a lot of space in the future <clears throat> at the quarterback position, it's almost like these ti- if these two are tied together, if they do both of them, how can you build the rest of the roster because so much money will be spent on these two players unless you're just banking on a 17-game season happening? Yeah, it, it was kind of odd because with, with the whole defensive continuity that they built up over the last five years, it didn't necessarily feel like they were, they were cheaping out on the offense too much. Like, they still signed an expensive left tackle. They still, you know, signed Mike Remmers to a big deal, and they were able to extend Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Like, they, and Kirk Cousins, they were still able to pay their offense while keeping that defense to get together because so many of those defensive players were on their rookie deals. But, you know, when it, when it comes to this team and the defensive identity, it's a direct clash with sort of the, the new age NFL offensive continuity that every team is trying to generate. Um, if you really want that offensive continuity, then, then yeah, you need to maybe flip your um, the, the, the paradigm of how you're seeing, oh, this guy just spun in a putt. Unbelievable. Nice shot, man. I like that you just interrupted your whole thing. I was like following along and then, oh, he made it! <laughs> the the it, that it, was it, a like a 720. Putt. Like a, a 720 in, in the hole. But From a southpaw as well. Um, it, it'd be hard to see <laughs> my... <laughs> Hey, respect the lefties. Respect the lefties. Are you left-handed? Yeah. You golf with me all the time. Do you golf left-handed? Oh, yeah, you do. It's been a while. Unreal. It was last summer. It's been a long time. Wouldn't it just be odd, though, to, to suddenly see Mike Zimmer making all these decisions in favor of his offense and voluntarily yeah, weakening his defense? Like, if they were to go get a guard instead of signing Anthony Harris, that, that would be something to see. So I guess that's the question, though, that I really want to know the answer to, and maybe we'll start to get a sense of it is the front office on board with all of Mike Zimmer's philosophies, is ownership on board with all of his philosophies. I don't blame any coach who says, hey, you know Delvin Cook? Boy, good at football. Let's keep that guy. But that's not really the job of the coach, unless you're Bill Belichick. Then Bill Belichick is just ruthless and brilliant when it comes to it. And I think the reason that they went back to so many Super Bowls other than Brady is that they were always refreshing their roster and not bringing back fading players. We could have spotted this a couple years ago with certain guys like Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, that at some point they were going to hit a wall, they were going to dip, and the production wouldn't be the same. And eventually we got there and it happened because it always happens. I'm not sure that Zimmer understands fully nor does he need to 
the positional value of someone like Anthony Barr, who's a linebacker, and there are other guys that you can get to do a lot of his stuff, or you can rotate linebackers. Uh, or if Zimmer would look at a running back position and go, hey, when I was in the NFL first starting out, think of what the NFL was like. It was dominated by great running backs in the early 2000s. They were the ones who were winning MVPs. They were on Madden covers, and it's just really changed quite a bit. So there's still all that talent, but a lot of guys don't get drafted high, so they don't cost a lot, and then they wear out really quickly because they're used in the run game, the pass game, pass protection, all that. And I think it's also just more, more physical and dangerous now. So it wears out somebody who's touching the ball 300 times a year. Is, it, Mike Zimmer's just not really going to fully understand that the same way that a front office should. So when they have this debate about Delvin Cook, that's where I wonder who wins out here or if the Vikings front office says, you know what, we understand the risks and we're going to take them because A, Delvin is special, which everyone tends to think about their running back, but B, he really doesn't have the type of mileage on his body that many others do because he had the ACL and then he was hurt a lot in 2018. So there's like two sides to that coin. He's been hurt, but he also doesn't have the mileage. Well, there's multiple ways to look at this because I am – strongly of the belief you don't want to be running back rich and quarterback poor like the teams that had great running backs last year and and had bad quarterback play like carolina for instance where did that get them you know having levy on bell didn't really help sam darnold much either there's just a lot of good running backs that in the right situation could probably be 1500 yard rushers and in the wrong situation they're just ordinary guys question for you was last year the right or wrong situation? Do you think that Delvin Cook had a good or bad situation last year? Because he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. So was it him or was it circumstance? Because that's the thing that's always hard to parse apart, as you're saying, with running back. I think it was the right situation. I, and and I, that doesn't mean he's not good. But, I, I but think I th- it was I think... him. I think it was more him than situation. So you... I, I think he would have averaged close to five yards a carry with almost any offensive line even though they were clever in their run setup with Rick Dennison, I don't think they're the only ones who are clever in how they run the ball. The only one who's not is uh, John DiFilippo. Um, but he averaged four and a half yards a carry with DiFilippo running out of the shotgun. He was one of the league leaders in yards after contact. So I, I think that they also didn't have even a, a very good offensive line, though they tried to build it that way. So that makes you makes you think, like, can he continue to make up for them, or will he be even better if they build a better offensive line in front of him? I think that offensive line, though, was geared toward run blocking. I don't think they were a good offensive line uh, in in both facets, but I think they were with their mobility. Even Pat Elfline, who didn't have a good year, but he was still a a decent, above-average, or or at least average run blocker. Um, Garrett Bradbury was so much better run blocking than pass blocking. So I think that everything was kind of built around Dalvin, and he was, of course, the the centerpiece of that offense. And sometimes, you know, it was sort of the, um, you know, punch up the middle for three, punch around the edge for six, and then establish that explosive pass. I think it it did work together in a sense, and that doesn't mean Dalvin isn't talented and doesn't deserve to get paid by somebody someday. Um, but but I think it all plays into sort of this overall philosophy that you know if we um, if we run block well and uh, we've got a guy that can get to the edge who's got that lateral speed I think he was in the right system. So let me ask you this: if because uh, it sounds to me like you're not on board with the Delvin extension, and that's natural to go with the data that 
uh, shows us it's usually not a good idea. And just even recent history, like Devontae Freeman's looking at potentially getting cut, David Johnson looking at potentially getting cut, even Todd Gurley is a candidate for a trade. These are the hottest running backs in the league a couple years ago, and now they're an afterthought. So why do you think that your guy is going to be the outlier? Your guy was once in Adrian Peterson, which sort of even makes it less likely that your guy is again, unless you think you're just the best at spotting running backs. But now let me create this scenario, though. Let's say that they went to Delvin and his representative, and they said, look, if we reduce the number of handoffs but increase the number of targets, which I think would make Delvin more valuable, and I also think he's capable, then is it worth it? If I said, we will guarantee your client that he's going to get 100 pass targets and he is only going to run 150 times, but his value is going to be overall higher and worth more to us, then are you thinking of it differently? If he's impacting the passing well, game that much more. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know if I'm going to buy into that promise. I think that's really hard to follow through with. Yeah. I think you can say that we're going to emphasize Dalvin more in the passing game, but I also I haven't seen Dalvin line up in different spots in the passing game and be useful. Like it's been they, rare. They've, they've experimented with it. They've had him line up in a slot sometimes, but I've never actually seen that really come to fruition with him. So unless they can incorporate that and make him more useful – um, you know, doing things other than the screen, which I think teams caught on to the screen game a little bit too oh, as as the year sure. went on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think the worst case scenario for Dalvin is that they say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give you all this work, but you don't get a new deal. Like we're just gonna wear you down. We're gonna give you all the all these receptions, all these carries, and you're not gonna get a new deal. Like uh, that's gonna be hard for him too. Even if his value sort of stays high, that's another year where he's risking injuries, putting more mileage on his body. So it's 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 gonna be hard to sell Dalvin on any situation where he's playing and not looking at future security. Okay, here's what I want to do. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to have the first round of the all player draft because people have overwhelmingly uh, voted for all player draft. And so I want to get our first five players each, and then we'll go back to talking about what we're looking for next week, what we want to hear. I want to get your thoughts on Riley Reef, Everson Griffin, and uh, even some other things around the league, like let's just say what qualifies as we need to look into this because there was another Instagram thing that I ranted about the other day. Um, but we'll take five players each, and then we'll take five more players at 3 o'clock and at 3.30 of Hot Routes. Uh, also want to remind you, since we are here at the Minneapolis Convention Center for the 30th Annual Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, that uh, we've got this thing called the Minnesota Golf Passport. It is available right now at scorenorth.com. You could play 12 18-hole rounds at 12 beautiful courses for just $75. That's over $400 worth for $75. Our supply is limited. Go to scorenorth.com, keyword deals to purchase and learn more. We'll be right back on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back out to the golf show in just one moment. But first, you can win four tickets to Arnie's Cabin at this year's 3M Open through the Score North mobile app. All you have to do is download the app, register your app, and enter to win. Tickets include tournament admission for Thursday, July 23rd, access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent near the 18th Green, and complimentary food and full bar. For tickets to this year's 3M Open, visit 3MOpen.com. If you missed the news yesterday, big links news coming down that Simone Augustus now plays for the Los Angeles Sparks, which is just about weird for everybody. Matthew Collar has a piece describing what her legacy is and will be as a Minnesota Lynx player and a WNBA player and a basketball player overall. Also, Lindsay Whalen talked to the media today, a longtime teammate of Simone Augustus, saying, First of all, she's the most unselfish superstar the WNBA has ever seen. To welcome in me, Brunson, Maya, eventually Sill. Like, those are, um, you know, other players with a lot of, you know, clout in this league and whatnot. So her to welcome us in to win was is incredible. And then I said, you know, she changed the links, but I think she also has changed the landscape of the state. You know, she's been a figure here for 14 years. Um, you know, through through everything she's she's done on and off the court, um, I've had more people reach out to me. Um, that, yes, of course, everybody's, you know, wishes she was, you know, going to play here and, and finish her career here, but that doesn't take away 14 years of, of having the impact that she's had. That's been your Score North download. Now back out to Purple Daily and the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. How many eyeball emojis is this worth? Prince of Makamura and Taylor Gabriel released by the Bears. Are you interested in any of those players? Sam Ekstrom. <sighs> Amukamar is an outside corner, I believe. Yeah. Um, Might not be expensive because he was released. Yeah. Damaged goods. I don't know if I don't know if uh, the Vikings are into reclamation project defensive backs because they sign one like every August and they last two weeks on the team. Right. Your Benay Ben Wickeries, your Chris Crockers. Benay Ben Wickery. I totally forgot about him. That was, was a great era. I was so focused on uh, Kari Vedvik that I totally forgot about Benay Ben Wickery. I didn't even bother to learn how to spell the name. Once I learn how to spell a guy's name, I'll be able to spell it forever if I'm typing it because it gets in the fingers and like Afadi Adenabo. When I'm 90, I'll be able to spell his name. Yeah. But I didn't even bother with Benay Ben Wickery um, because I knew it wasn't going to happen. The same as Tremaine Brock. You bring in that corner and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy could compete with it. No, it's just not going to happen. George Iloka, who actually. Like, sort of lasted on the team, but didn't do anything because Anthony Harris turned out to be, like, the best safety in right. football. Yeah. But He yeah. didn't know that when he signed here, um, and we didn't either at that time. Uh, Gabriel gets hurt a lot. He's small, but he is kind of that number three type of receiver. If you get him the ball, he can make plays. He's been effective in this type of offense before when he was with Atlanta and Kyle Shanahan, but... I'm not super interested. That would be like a one-year, 900,000 type of thing. Super fast, though. I yeah, mean, if you like is. speed, yeah, it's not the worst option in the world. If you want to bring him in to compete, I gave your, it. your next, um, uh, who is the, the guy? At, Kendall Wright. He's your next Kendall Wright. I gave it camp. two eyeball emojis. Two out of how many? I don't know. I don't really have a system. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's however many I feel at the time. So if the Vikings sign Delvin Cook to a contract extension, I'd probably give that like 11 eyeball emojis. Right. And if Schefter dropped one that said Brett Favre is returning that, right. at age yeah. 51, that's just that'd as be many as I could possibly 200 fit. eyeball yes. emojis. As many as I could possibly fit. So for this, I'll give it to because they need to fill 
each of those positions, number three receiver and corner for cheap, but I'm not super interested in either one of those players. Um, we are, by the way, in Hall B at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Matthew Collar from Zone Coverage, Sam Ekstrom. And uh, just before we came back on, someone introduced themselves to me and said, I've never heard of you, Sam Ekstrom. So now you have from Zone Coverage, <laughs> Sam Ekstrom, and the Football good, Machine good Thing podcast. Good to be here. What's the real name? Zone Coverage Football Machine okay, Wednesday nights. Right. Arif Hassan of The Athletic is on the show. Luke Enman. It's, it's a good uh, trio. All right, good. And uh, so, anyway, we're at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Everyone is in front of us hitting long putts, and they're hitting them too hard, and we did both in the break, too. So, um, putt softly, everyone who comes in here. Yeah, it also does a thing. It's hard. It's like one of those carnival games that looks easy but is actually rigged. And, of course, he just almost got it in. As how, how deep? Did you guys cut that hole deep enough? Is that regulation size? I, I know, I've seen that quite a few times where it's you know rolling in and out. I think that should count as going in, honestly, if it bounces right. I mean, out. the sod, the sod isn't sinking enough to, to cut that hole out. That's that's the issue. Yeah. Uh, so okay, the people have voted on Twitter that they want an all-player draft. So I want us to each go rapid fire back and forth, all-time all NFL player draft. We'll draft five now. We'll draft five more in about a half an hour, and then we'll continue our conversation about what we're looking for at the NFL Combine next week. So I'm going to give you first pick, all players, all time ever. We're going to try to create, we'll say like an 11-man starting lineup if you want, or just 10 players and then who's is better. Why don't we just do it that way? Okay. I think you need a quarterback. you got to build around somebody, so I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not a bold pick. But since you have your quarterback, you won't be drafting any more quarterbacks, so I can wait on mine. I am going to start off with uh, Jerry Rice. See, now what's going to end up happening here is I'll probably use a lot of people that I actually saw play. The NFL 100 list was great and a lot of fun, but there were guys from the 30s. Like, What am I supposed to do with this? Like old Rocky Johnson. I've never even heard of these people. Uh, okay, so your next pick. you got Tom Brady. Let's get some good coverage. Daryl Green. Daryl Green is picked way too high. That is insane to pick Daryl Green with the number two <laughs> overall pick. Tom Brady is hard to debate. When we're talking about the best quarterback of all time is who, who you're trying to take, your main goal in an all-player, all-time draft would be take the guy that I can win the most with, and Tom Brady is a pretty easy choice. That is not That would not have been my choice, though. I would have gone with Peyton Manning as the greatest quarterback of all time. Even though there's lots of cases for lots of other quarterbacks that you could make, Dan Marino, John Elway, you could go way back in the day and say, nobody threw it farther than old Terry Bradshaw, or you want a winner, I'll give you Roger Staubach. But statistically speaking, Peyton Manning is the best ever and I think I'm going to go with Peyton Manning. So who is your next pick? Daryl Green with your second pick of all the great defensive players uh, ever. I, I should mean, I should have gone with he's Dion. He's good, but you just went. Or yeah, Lawrence well, Taylor. that's the thing. You, you didn't go LT or Dion or Alan Page. Well, or, I, can, I can take those players now. You can if you want, but now you're sacrificing offense. Uh, I'm going to build the defense like Mike Zimmer because I've got my quarterback. <laughs> so the other offensive players are less important. Um, I'm going to go with LT. Okay. Lawrence Taylor. All right. I'm keeping track of this, so I may have a slight delay. Uh, let's see. Okay, you got Lawrence T- Daryl Green with the second overall, the, the third overall pick. You're ripping all, a I Hall of Famer? I can't believe it. 
No, I mean, seven-time he, Pro good, Bowler. But this is you're only drafting from the rarest of heirs of all time in the NFL, and you go Daryl Green. So you're upset with, that I took maybe what the the second or I'm not third upset. best My defensive back in already. your opinion. I'm taking Instead Reggie White. You've already seen two defensive players drafted who are better than the player that you drafted with your second pick. That's all I'm saying. Um, Cornerbacks are important, though. Cornerback value, very important. I think I've gone with the three most important positions. I've gone quarterback, I've gone cornerback, and I've gone defensive line pass rusher. Okay. So I I like my draft so far. You have no receivers. Tom Brady's throwing to no one. Your team of all time is like last year's Patriots. (laughs) Uh, You're up. What's your next pick? Right. Are you using Google on your phone? I'm going to. We don't have effective Wi Fi? Uh, yes, uh, I'm going to go with Marshall Falk because he is an unbelievable pass-catching running back. So you get a little I'm bit still of running back value. You get more than running back value with Marshall Falk. You are Mike Zimmer right now. You're building around running backs and defense and hoping your game manager quarterback can help you out. Good luck with your game manager, Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, I should have just taken Brady and four offensive linemen. You know what? I was going to say that offensive linemen in this sort of all-time player draft are not super important. Um, so I'm not going to take one just yet. There are a couple of good choices, like Anthony Munoz, but not not, not good. Jeff Saturday could I, team up with Peyton Manning again. I, I will also go with a running back, but I will go sweetness Walter Peyton. So we have one, two, three, four. You have one more player, and then we're going to draft five more at 3 o'clock. Moss. Okay, that's unfortunate. I wanted Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. But you know what? I'm going to take another defensive player, and I'll take Alan Page. So That's a great pick. You have Tom Brady, Daryl Green, Lawrence Taylor, Marshall Falk, and Randy Moss. I have Jerry Rice, Peyton Manning, Reggie White, Walter Payton, Alan Page. And at 3.30, we're going to have Judd vote on who has the better team. He will, he will exclusively get to decide, as the show's historian, who has the better all-time draft team. Let's get back to Matthew Collar and uh, Sam Ekstrom here at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, watching people take some glorious putts, actually, right in front of us. And we're also sitting in front of a giant truck. So if you walk in and you see a giant truck, we're here. And also we have free bags in the front, I think. So you could just carry all your stuff in our Score North bags. Um, We were talking about Delvin Cook and whether the Vikings should sign him to a long-term contract extension, how complicated that is. But... They could also do it and not have it really impact right away. And they could also bank on a 17-game season happening, which I don't know where CBA negotiations are going to go from here, but at least the ball is rolling. And it just seems inevitable that 17 games happen, which means more revenue for players, a higher salary cap, and this problem with the running backs being overpaid might not be super serious as long as Delvin Cook continues to play well if they sign him to a contract extension. I wonder, though, about how you think that it affects a Kirk Cousins contract extension because I threw this out there to Alex Boone yesterday and uh, as, as an idea I hadn't thought of. Something very short for Kirk Cousins in terms of a contract extension. One or two years because if you're on Kirk's side and you're looking at how much money he could potentially make four or five years from now if there's 17-game seasons, you might want to go short-term. And I think that over there at TCO Performance Center, they believe that 2020 is a year to win the NFC North and be in the playoffs and be in the mix. And Gary Kubiak, I asked him, hey, how do you get over the hump? 
Like Mike Zimmer wants to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl. And Gary's answer was, you got to just get in and play the best for a month. Now, recent history says you got to get a first-round bye. But if they change the way the playoffs right. work, only one, of them. only one of them gets a first-round bye. I think that helps your odds if you go 10-6 and six and win the division. So there's no reason to think that the Vikings will go this year down the tank. And, and they'll stay competitive for a couple of years with offensive weapons that they have. And Irv Smith is an ascending player. It would give me reason to say you should still think about drafting a quarterback, especially in the second round or third round. But if you signed Cousins to a two-year extension, that might work for everybody. Like We don't have to lock into you for five years. And also, he gets whatever amount of money he gets when you get to the end of a 17-game season and the cash goes crazy. Well, if you just dwindle all your defensive money down, like let's say that you, you rid yourself of the Griffin-Joseph Rhodes money, and then maybe next year it's Harrison Smith, like suddenly a lot of that money is going away. Maybe one of your linebackers shows decline, then you, you save money there. And suddenly uh, you've got a lot of flexibility with your defensive you know, kind of money allocation. And if you have Kirk Cousins for two more years, and when you say two, you mean two in addition to his contract year. So yeah. that would bring, so you, bring you back to, is when it would be over to the original sort of three years that you started with. And I'm guessing that looks like you know, probably at least $30 million for those two years based on the running rate for quarterbacks. Um, just quick aside, do you think he would set the new bar for quarterback contracts or not quite? The $35 million is for say Russell Wilson. that he will. Yeah, you that, think he would sign for more yep, than thirty-five? He did it last time, and I think that's what he'd be looking for this time. And when they go to the negotiating table, they're going to point to these numbers. They're going to say PFF has him as a top five quarterback. They're going to say he set his career high in terms of his quarterback rating and his efficiency. And you might want to slip in there. Hey, maybe you guys should throw a little more if uh, that's going to be the case. Even if Mike Zimmer doesn't want to, he was an efficient quarterback last year. I tend to think that. Just in in my opinion, as uh, a putt just barely misses, that you should just let the contract play out, draft someone this year, and then see where you're at at the end of that year, the next year. That's how I would. I do agree it. with that. But if you're going to sign him, then short term is the way to go to work for everybody. I think. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to sign Cousins to a short-term deal, I can stomach that. And then if you've got Kirk Cousins, that sort of sets your floor. So if you're going to be 8-8 eight and eight anyway, well, you may as well try to get to 10-6 and six or 11-5, and five, and that might mean surrounding Kirk Cousins with talent. Now, if you're spending a lot of money on quarterback and running back, and you've got you know, that Adam Thielen deal, and if Stephon Diggs is still around, the Stephon Diggs deal, that's a lot of money on offense. Um, Irv Smith, cheap, but Brian O'Neill going to need an extension next year. So mm-hmm. suddenly a lot of your, your eggs are in the offensive basket, and you're going to have to count on your defensive uh, development and coaching and drafting on that side of the ball to develop a new kind of pack of young stars. You would need another 2015 draft, in yeah. essence, to, to get to when they brought in Waynes and Kendricks and Hunter. Um, but, but I think if Cousins is going to stick around, um, you may as well keep investing in the offense around him. And, and I think this year kind of has to be a double-down year where um, in the last year of his deal, as established now, uh, you have to make sure that offense is improving even more than so, it did. I tossed this out there the other day and got no pushback on it from anyone, is that I have not seen a group of people on the interwebs who are Vikings fans sticking up for a, a Cousins extension. Even though he is coming off of a very good season where he played really well, and I thought even the team galvanized around him more than they had in 2018 for sure, where... <laughs> 
I, I didn't get the sense that there were a whole lot of people sticking up for him by the end of 2018. And then this year, they have the comeback win against the Broncos. That earned him some points, the win in New mm-hmm. Orleans. And if you're on the team, you've seen him win a playoff game in New Orleans where he throws the game-winning touchdown. You're more likely to feel like you can win if you're a player on the team with that quarterback. Despite what happened in San Francisco, which was part Kirk Cousins not throwing the ball, part offensive line, part running game, and even part defense uh, allowing San Francisco to go down and score quick and and get ahead and things like that. So I I, I guess uh, I'm thinking about how many people out of a 1,000 would sign up for my short-term contract extension. If I tell you I think that's the best way to do it, and Kirch would be probably down for it, it takes you through 2022, so maybe that's the end of Harrison Smith, maybe that's the uh, late prime of Eric Kendricks, for example, you know, on and on, that that would be the end of your era. That would be the end of your window there. Even Thielen at that point is on the older side. Diggs is probably pushing 30 at that point. I wonder how many people would sign up for that or if they would say, no, you have to find a way to make the most of what is left of this run by putting someone else in a quarterback. Well, it certainly attaches him to sort of the end of Kyle Rudolph, the end of, of Thielen and Diggs prime, if you will, if you keep Cousins around. But I think anybody, and this is why you probably haven't seen a lot of support for that move, is because you still have to toss the outliers, right? Like with anyone's career, if somebody has an insanely good career, like for instance, but the twins, Nelson Cruz, when he hits the way he does at age 38, like I'm still not going to consider that what he's going to be every year going forward. And, um, you know, this is a less extreme example of that, but Kirk Cousins, when he has a season like he did, it still is one season. And, and seasons are pretty short in the grand scheme of things. Like when you play 15 games, I don't know if that's indicative of what he's going to be going forward. So he would need to prove this year, you know, that that he can repeat that, if not improve, for for me to feel like, okay, if we just keep getting back to the playoffs with this level of quarterback play, we're going to eventually get over the hump. I think last year, um, if things had broken right, they could have maybe captured what they had, you know, at their best. I think that team could have gone on a run. Um, They had too many sort of, you know, blackouts offensively last season yep, where they just yep. collapsed, and that's what they have to eliminate going forward. But uh, it, it still is hard not to sort of just see the influx of young quarterback talent in the league and think that uh, it's riskier, but it's also bolder to try to go that route and have the cheap quarterback. And it's almost, you know, kind of risky to not be bold and just to, to assume that um, you'd be complacent, I guess, with, with the 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and 10-6. and six. So I was thinking about this um, the NFC does not have Mahomes. Breeze is coming back for another year. I wouldn't suspect he'll be as good as he was last year. And I don't love their chances next year, which means they'll win the Super Bowl because I'm saying I don't love their chances. But even quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, where Aaron Rodgers is right now, Matt Ryan, the only guy that you feel like is decidedly way better than everyone else is Russell Wilson, and i got to see what his team's going to do, and then we'll find out Haskins, Kyler Murray. Nobody here is making you go, oh, man, we know who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year, and it's not us because of Mahomes or Jackson or Tom Brady for a long time. Um, so, th- so that would influence you to say, well, give me more Kirk. But here's my question for you. Do you think last year was a lucky season for the Vikings in in this way? They did not have many people injured. In fact, they had the fewest number of man games lost in the entire NFL. 
Thielen was out for a little bit, Cook's out for a little bit, but no massive injuries for them. The defense was nearly fully healthy all season long, so they're very healthy. The schedule, according to Pro Football Reference, was the ninth easiest schedule in the history of Minnesota Vikings football. And they won 10 games with Kirk Cousins, and he had a career year. But if you were projecting forward, would you say that Kirk Cousins is going to continue to do that or that he had a little bit of a year that was helped out by some luck? Well, I would point to turnover regression as well because they forced a lot of turnovers on defense, which is not usually sustainable. So that's another area. I don't get as much get caught up into the injury thing because you can lose like two players for an extended period and nobody else. But if those two players are at the right positions to, to impact yeah. you, I think that can have a pretty big influence. The feeling didn't hurt them because they had a really super easy schedule during that time. Well, yeah, you're right. And they, they really unlocked Stefan Diggs, I think, during that time, too. Yeah. And, yep. and a couple games where he said, ah, I wish we could have had Thielen on some of these third downs, uh, like against Seattle, for instance. But um, I think that regression for the Vikings, and for the reason I laid out a minute ago, just with Kirk Cousins' regressing to his mean because he has now set right. his best yeah, season when someone has a career high you think they're going to come back down and, and you know i don't, I don't think stefan diggs is a shoe in to play 16 games if he's on the team uh we don't know if dalvin cook is going to be as effective as he was and and there are a lot of pieces on offense like you know kyle rudolph was just a monster in the red zone right is rudolph going to still be impactful i think you know we're seeing sort of those physical signs of his decline his speed and whatnot right uh, well, they might he, even consider trading him uh yeah i mean that that's always on the table too people aren't really talking about about that, but yeah, th- there are reasons to think the Vikings could decline, and they took such a, a, a drastic step forward, I thought, offensively, and even with that step forward statistically, it only manifested with two additional wins. Um, so I think, you know, again, it, it's it's not a very positive way to look at it, but there's reason to think that this team could take a step back if, if things break the wrong way, and Kirk's, Kirk's never been hurt either. I mean, we've never yeah, really had yeah. to sit, well, what would happen if he it had to play through something, you know, which we've never really no, ex- experienced. Yeah. And we uh, didn't see them without Kirk either over the last two years, which may have resulted in um, not great, probably. Oh, they'd be drafting higher, and we would be able to talk about uh, which top wide receiver they could take or, or something um, instead of 25th. Uh, Matthew Collar, zone coverage is Sam Ekstrom here. We are from the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. I need to make a ruling about what's going on in front of us that if it goes in the cup, at all it should be in it does not have to stay in the cup it's not a real cup i am making that ruling right now okay yeah okay all right well, do we do they get the truck if they get it in the cup no what's the, i don't think the it's the truck i think it's uh you can win four tickets to the 3m open oh just if, as good but if you well then are, is that it or is that with the app that might be with the app what's the prize no one's winning this truck does right? anybody have a magnifying glass to read the fine print on that board <laughs> Well, that's, that's if you download the app, which you should because it's free and it's extremely easy to download the app. I'm just saying that we can't dig down into the ground to make a real cup. So if it goes in and bounces out, it's in. It counts. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, anyway. It has to be. Uh, so, yes, we are from the uh, Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, and I have takes about people putting from 30 yards away. Uh, we are in the uh, Minneapolis Convention Center. It's very nice in here, and it feels outside like golf is coming so yeah we do have 3m open tickets to give away here four tickets um to annie's uh, arnie's cabin this year at the 3m open on the score north app so what you do is you download the app you register it 
and you enter to win. That's all you have to do. So the tickets include um, admission to the tournament in July and then access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent on the 18th green. So um, for tickets this year, 3M Open, visit 3MOpen.com. All you have to do, just get the app, and that's it. Just register it, and you're good to go there. So uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to draft five more players. And also, there was yelling on Mel Kuyper's podcast, and Jonathan's going to play it. So we will return momentarily. Matthew Collar, Sam Ekstrom, Purple Daily from the Golf Show. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. It still is so shocking to me because I, I thought this was going to be an easy one. Like, yeah, you know, it's his rookie year, but he clearly didn't play as well as I thought. He played. You know, I'm worried. I'm worried. That's I, I, I just assumed. I assumed that was the that was going to so be the narrative, much, and, I and was, we were hey, going to come crawling I back to me saying, you know what? Yeah, I hope the year two is better. You're, are you are you delusional? No, I mean, I, you got to be, see, you gotta I, be I, dreaming I delusional or, or delusional. drinking something other than your. Uh, your hey guys, I honestly think you're delusional if we if we watch the same game. Oh, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper yelling at each other. It is that season again. They were debating Daniel Jones, which I don't really care about, but that's super fun to listen to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay yell at each other over the NFL draft and how well Daniel Jones played. You want to play a quick game? Let's play a quick game because we got more people to draft in our all-players draft, which, by the way, I looked up on uh, Pro Football Reference. They have a wins above replacement type of statistic for all players ever. And you with your second pick. Yeah, he's like 60th. 66th player. What are you doing? You just got to go get uh, You got to get the guys Positional that, value. Go get your guy, right? That's, that's the thing? Yeah. Just, yeah. hey, if, if Oh, we banked player. one in. We oh, banked one in. That counts. Off the bumpers. Um, so let's play this quick game real, real fast. Okay. Guys who were rookies or we don't know about yet, just tell me if they're going to be good or not in the future. All right. Start with Daniel Jones, and don't be delusional. No. Is he no. going to be good? No. You're going to go with no? No. Okay. I Do thought, you want context? I'm just going to say no. Oh, okay. I thought, you were going to, I thought you were saying, like, no, I will not answer about Daniel Jones. I refuse. Well, okay, explain yourself then. Um, I just... I, I, watched the, I watched his games, probably three, four, like, full Daniel Jones games, and... To his defense, he didn't have a lot of receiving help, but I didn't think he was making like all the, the type of throws you need to make to be good. I think that's fair. Rookie years I always struggle with because you think you know something. Carson Wentz is a good example. Jared Goff. I was not impressed by Carson Wentz in his rookie year, and then all of a sudden he's impressive. The reason I say no on Daniel Jones is because of who's running that team. If it wasn't Dave Gettleman, I might say, you know what? They could build a pretty good team around Daniel Jones, and then he could game manage and make a couple of throws like he did against the Vikings downfield. I liked some of his game against the Vikings, but then there were other things. He fumbled a lot. He threw interceptions. But those are kind of rookie things. I I don't know. I like some of the things he does, but I don't believe in that team. And 90% of quarterback success now is team unless you're Mahomes. Um, how about Dwayne Haskins? Do you think Dwayne Haskins will be good? See, I'm a little bit jaded because my biggest influence in a lot of these quarterbacks is when they played the Vikings. And the Vikings historically just slay rookie quarterbacks. The The average right. rookie yes. stat line against the Vikings yes. is horrible, and Haskins looked horrible in that like one half he played against the Vikings. But I think he got better as the year went on. 
I think Haskins has enough tools that he can look good some of the time. But again, if you're talking about dysfunctional organizations, I mean, this is a right. worse situation than right. New York. So I'm going to go no, even though I, there part of me wants to say yes. Um, Adrian how, Peterson back for another year to help him out. <laughs> Why? Uh, because he's got to get to fifth all time, he thinks. But I'd be shocked if he gets 1,000 yards. Mitch Trubisky, you think he'll be better? I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be great. You think he'll be better if they give him a chance at Chicago, which they shouldn't? Well, I'm, I'm of the opinion that young quarterbacks are, are sort of yo-yos. Like, I don't think they're like linear in a positive direction or linear in a negative direction. Sure. So just because he dropped off, I don't think it means he's going to drop off again. Um, that team just declined because of their success. Like, they, they lost pieces. They lost Vic Fangio. And um, Trubisky is so hot and cold. For me, I think I think Trubisky is going to have a mild uptick, just enough to sort of tease the the Bears and thinking that they've got their guy. They extend him, and then he will uh, disappoint. Okay, how about Jared Goff? See, is the jury still out on Jared Goff? See, Goff's, I, I think it is. Goff's another one, and that's a, probably a more ex- extreme example beyond Mitch Trubisky is that he takes the massive step into year two, year three. He reaches the Super Bowl, yep. kind of falls off a little bit in year four. Uh, his running back situation wasn't great, but again, quarterbacks should be able to overcome a bad running back situation. He had good receiver talent. His offensive line got worse and old last year. He's probably going to lose Andrew Whitworth, I would think. Um, I think Goff is is actually a good quarterback. I just don't know if the Rams right now are set up for his success. Yeah. I think the Rams sort of hit that plateau where they needed to sort of dive for a couple of years before they get back. And when you spend first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, you're really hamstringing yourself for the future to be able to build around Jared Goff. Correct. They are in a very tough spot. Kyler Murray. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be good, too. There's something special there. He makes the throws. They simplified things for him last year, but he did really well with it. Now they can expand, and his running is spectacular. And guess what? He didn't collapse into a pile of mush when he got hit. I never understood that argument. Well, he doesn't weigh that much, so he's probably going to get hurt. Well, I mean, I, I guess I get that, but I'm not sure if there's a correlation between how much you weigh and whether you get hurt as a quarterback. Right. He didn't need crutches to, to get back to the huddle after a scramble for 12 yards. Like also, he was... what's Kirk weigh? Like 200? I mean, it's not like yeah. Kirk is full of muscles that prevent his injuries, and Cam Newton gets injured all the time and is super muscly. I don't know. It's a great point. And Arizona's got, like, because they have Isabella and Butler, right? Those two receivers last year that were super highly touted in the draft. And I think Butler was hurt and Isabella was okay, but I think they're only going to get better, too. So the weapons around him, including Fitzgerald, there's definitely a positive upswing there, especially with Kingsbury calling the shots. Okay, how about Sam Darnold? Bet on Sam Darnold? I think Darnold has more of a future than, say, Daniel Jones. Uh, I actually liked his rookie year more. He also he dealt with mono As last, all quarterbacks last year. do. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I almost kind of just throw last year out for Darnold. The Jets were weird. Like, I, the I, Jets I, won seven games, didn't they, or eight games? No, no. They won like, well, I have it right in front of me. Oh, they did win seven games. Yeah, like okay, the Jets were close to a 500 team, and That's they wild. they didn't they have Darnold for a little bit, so maybe they could have been better. I, I was literally looking at the standings. I'm like, no, that's not how many. It's shocking, <laughs> isn't it, to think that the Jets were like they're probably picking middle of the draft. Yeah, I I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna be a Pro Bowler. I say that he will have a year or two 
that is really good and will convince everyone that he's good, but I don't think he is. I think he's like a a slightly shorter version of Jameis Winston or a little less reckless version of Jameis Winston where he makes wow throws and has wow games, but the bigger sample in two years of his actual playing games is not that good. I've got got a challenge for you. Name three Jets pass catchers. Well, Robbie Anderson that, was one. That's the obvious one, yeah. Le'Veon Bell is two. Uh, he's not, but he's pass not a pass catcher. You said, you said pass catcher. I said pass Okay, tight end or wide receiver? I'm done. Yeah, Wayne Corbett was yelled at us. Uh, yeah, I'm done. I, I mean, Robbie Anderson's the only one. No, it's a good point. It hasn't been a good team. I just look at from what he did in college and the way he plays now, he still has these horrible games. He still takes a ton of risks. And it's just hard for me to see guys who throw a ton of interceptions being super successful and then every once in a while what you'll get is a pop-up year where they drop all the interceptions and it's randomness and they look great and everyone thinks they've turned a corner but they haven't that's how i see sam darnold so you just described the case keenum right i mean i think that that will happen with sam darnold that he will throw tons of picks and will be disappointed and then he'll have one year where they have an easy schedule or they fire adam gase which i would also give him credit for darnold he had adam gase coaching him um, Josh Rosen. Do you think there's any chance Josh Rosen becomes a good quarterback after these first two years? Yeah, one franchise giving up on him, another franchise that they say they're going to bring him back. Prefers Ryan Fitzpatrick in it. Like, did they think that Rosen was too good because they wanted to tank, or did they think he was so bad that they needed to to go to a journeyman? I think they thought he was so bad, but he was playing with the worst team you could play with. And Fitzpatrick led the NFL or was very high in snap to throw. Because he's just an OG and he was just getting rid of the ball. That's not Rosen. Rosen is much more like Kirk, where he needs a lot of time. He needs bootlegs. He probably could use a Kubiak system. I would not count it out that he goes somewhere and eventually is Sort of like, Tan- like Tannehill. Like he finds just a, a yeah. perfect, the, yeah. the stars align for him. I feel bad for him because for a team to give up on their first-round pick after one year I know. is so unprecedented. I know. And he becomes damaged goods just in terms of perception. So... Uh, I kind of hope I kind of hope he does find his way. I need to see him with someone who's not horrific. He he's played with the 32nd ranked offensive line two years in a row by Pro Football Focus. Um, Baker Mayfield, you think that Stefanski fixes him in Cleveland? Yeah, I think Mayfield has a future. I mean, I think a lot of times you see that sophomore slump. I think that's real. Like once once defenses get a little more tape on you, once you uh, maybe feel a little more of that pressure. Uh, yeah, I I think last year was tough for him, but. Stefanski's definitely going to be a better a better match for what Cleveland wants to get out of him. I, the Kitchens move just never made sense to me. Gardner Minshew, you think Gardner Minshew is good? I don't. Any, I think he's like a journeyman backup. I think which will be very fun. Any quarterback with that kind of mobility, though, is is going to win games and with he has their a tools. Deep ball too. He could throw it down the field. Yeah, like I was. I was just glancing at his college numbers again. He threw it so much in yep. that in that Mike Leach offense. That yep. was just crazy. But, um, yeah, I kind of think he does have a future. Now, is it with Jacksonville? I don't know. I think that next year we might see him be their starter the whole time, and we'll find out, really, if he could be a full-time starter. If I were to project right now, I think he's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will have some starting gigs and have a cult following right cult following and he's you know wherever he plays they'll grow mustaches and stuff like that but he's not ever going to be good enough to win anything that's how i look at gardner i'd rather have him than nick Foles if i'm a jacksonville jaguars fan me too for sure uh last one is drew lock 
Can you believe how many quarterbacks there are that we really don't know what they're going to be? I mean, Locke Lock might have the brightest trajectory, especially if they add receiver help. They're in a great position right now. Sutton's cheap. Locke's cheap. If, if, I mean, the, people are talking about the Broncos trading for Stephon Diggs, and they've got the, the pieces to do it. You pick number 15 and one of their three third-round picks and try to get a compliment for Cortland Sutton. I think Locke is in business. I think he could be really good. I was skeptical of him, and I don't want to judge on a four and one record. But and Fant is cheap. No yeah, Fant. Right. They have. That's what I would say is that they'll have a good defense because their coach is a defensive head coach and sort of looks like Zimmer in a lot of ways. And if they can take all these top picks and build up the offensive line a little more and set them up with something good. You think about it, they were competitive with Brandon Allen starting, who had no business. That's an XFL quarterback. And even with Joe Flacco, they were in a bunch of games that were close, and they kept losing them, and Flacco has nothing left. I could see that situation being so good for Drew Locke that even some of his shortcomings uh, are made up for. Pat Shermer, pretty good offensive coordinator. I know, and that's right. He's really good at it. Um, Let's go back to our all-players of all-time draft. You drafted the 66th best player, according to Pro Football Reference, with your second pick. So you... Okay, but can you go back to the list? Where's Moss ranked? Because Moss is pretty high. Just give me a number. He's 37. Okay, so I, so I drafted the 37th best player of all time. Oh, but he's actually the second he, best receiver of all he's time. He's tied with Ronnie Lott, though, in this list. So, I mean, you take either one of those players. And a lot of the top ones are quarterbacks, so if you're a non-quarterback and you're 37th, you're doing pretty darn good. All right, so I'm going to get the first pick for this second round, and then we're going to have Judd decide who has the better all-time team. Uh, we'll run through. Your picks were Tom Brady, Daryl Green, Lawrence Taylor, Marshall Falk, and Randy Moss. Mine, Jerry Rice, Peyton Manning, Reggie White, Walter Payton, Alan Page. I think I have the better team at the moment, but we're going to let Judd decide. I am going to select... This is a hard one. Um, I'm going to go with Deion Sanders. Good pick. It's what I should have done instead of Daryl Green. Wouldn't have gotten ripped for it. Wouldn't be ridiculed by the host. Deion is on this list. On, on, well, Deion yeah. is tied for 69th. Nice. So he uh, actually was behind Daryl Green on, on this all-time list, which I'm just using as sort of a reference point. But your next pick. All players, all time. We're going to both draft 10 and then have Judd decide who has the better team. I would like... The greatest tight end of all time. Tony Gonzalez? Rob Gronkowski. Oh, okay. That's a great pick. He didn't play that long, but I, he is the best. San, Sans yeah. injury, he is. Um, like he, he was on pace for a 1,000-yard season like eight years in a row. I'm going to stick with defense and go Ray Lewis for my next pick. So I got Dion and Ray Lewis in this round. So I have on defense Reggie White, Dion Sanders, and Ray Lewis. <laughs> Doing okay. I'm going to go with that Ravens theme and take Ed Reed. Well, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Is Love Ed, me some Ed Reed. Is Ed Reed better than Rod Woodson or Ronnie Lott? I think he is, but I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure that he is. Where is he on this list? Ed Reed is tied for 109th on this list. Rod Woodson is in the top 25. Well, you know. I watched a little more Ed Reed in my yeah, day. Than yes, I, than and so Wilson. there's sure. a clear recency bias. And I'm trying to appeal to the millennials. Bias there. I need another playmaker here. So I've already, got, um, I've already got Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver to ever touch a football field. 
and I have Walter Payton, probably the greatest running back to ever touch a football field. Who would my other receiver be? Is Marvin Harrison overrated, do you think? No. You know what? Receptions machine. I'm going to go locker room problems, everybody. My team has a terrible culture, but you have Lawrence Taylor, so yours is worse. Terrell Owens is who I'm going to pick next. So I'm going to have him and Jerry Rice on the same team. It would never work as a joke. And you've got Ray Lewis. And I have Ray Lewis. (laughs) Not everyone is nice in football. (laughs) Well, well, well. Okay, Um, you have uh, your next pick with three players left to go. All players, all time. We're going to tweet these out also and get people's opinions. Uh, Junior Seau. Rest in peace. That's a great pick, man. One of my favorite players of all time. Cannot criticize that pick. The Ray Lewis of the generation before. Okay, so what do I need here? I've got my quarterback is set. I've got two receivers. I've got a lot of good defensive players. Do I need another receiving option to really fill this thing out? Do I need a little more defense? I drafted both Dion and Ray Lewis, but I only have one other defensive player. Let's see here. I think I'm going to draft even another defensive player and take Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith, second best sacker of all time, so I have Bruce Smith on one side, Reggie White on the other side. Yeah, I like that. Um, I've got two picks left. Two picks left. Okay. I'm going to go with a pick that the local fans will like, John Randall. John Randall is a great pick. Inside pass rushing presence to pair up with LT. Okay, this is my last pick. Um, do I want to go on the offensive side? You know what? I'm going to go with the greatest offensive tackle of all time. Oh, no. Anthony Munoz. Was that who you were going to go with? No. No? You weren't going to? I'm going to go with the other greatest tackle of all time, Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is a good pick. All right, so here's our full teams that Judd will decide on in about 10 minutes. You have Tom Brady, Daryl Green, Lawrence Taylor, Marshall Falk, Randy Moss, Gronkowski, Ed Reed, Junior Seau, John Randall, and Joe Thomas. I have Jerry Rice, Peyton Manning, Reggie White, Walter Payton, Alan Page, Dion, Ray Lewis, T.O., Bruce Smith, Anthony Munoz. So Judd will decide here, and I will put these out on Twitter and we'll decide who has the better team. Because it's Friday, and the, there's just going to be so much hardcore football at the Combine coming up next, and I'm seeing CBA tweets constantly. And look, I appreciate all the effort that people go through to report on the CBA. It's important, and it's interesting. And You and all, Rami talked about it for like an hour in the, the previous show. Yeah, but it's still CBA, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like who is desperate to hear collective bargaining talk? You haven't read the play? entire CBA, caller? I would expect that of you. I know enough of it to work with, I guess. Is there, is there anything? Give me anything. Anything with the CBA that you just can't wait to find out how it plays out? Yeah, I want to see how they split up future gambling revenue. Oh, that's a good one. Honestly, because that's going to be a huge part of the... Like, they've already partnered with Caesars, yeah. right? So they've got their Vegas partner. They're, they're going to legalize it at some point. It's an inevitability. And that's going to produce so much money. Like, they might have, based on you know the legality per, by state by state, they might have gambling options in, like, the venue, so I think that the players are going to want a cut of that, and right now it's very vaguely defined in the proposal. What do you think the future of gambling in sports looks like, or in football, let's say? Because everyone's gambling on fantasy right now, for sure. Uh, illegal offshores websites or whatever are definitely being used on cell phones. And I, they've tried to 
hide away their connection. But daily fantasy is huge, and for a while there, there were daily fantasy ads that were running during games. And, and I don't know if they were afraid. Uh, let me connect this to something. So I just did an interview with a guy who wrote a book on NBA Jam, the video game. And that's going to come out probably next week, the interview I did with him. It was awesome, right. and the book is amazing. But uh, he was telling me that the NBA did not want to give its license to NBA Jam to use their players and logos initially because they thought that arcades were for shady characters. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? Like <laughs> David oh, Busters. Oh, right, no. Right. We don't want to be thought of as being connected to these shady arcades that might be, uh, you know, uh, criminals activities going on in there. And uh, it, now where it's fair is they would get put in the back of strip clubs and things like that back in the early 90s. But, you know, it seems ridiculous now. And I think even their hesitation to dive full into it and America's hesitation to dive full into it at this point with all the abilities we have to gamble on sports it does look and seem ridiculous to be talking about it as if it's something that the league wouldn't be diving full into well i have to think that the owners would just love this possibility because of the the financial ramifications oh, absolutely the, the cash flow that would come in um, and it's it's not like it's you know based on it, it's not based on a TV deal. It, it's not based on sort of the the popularity of your league. Like people are still going to, I mean, people are going to bet on this thing year round, week to week. It's going to be, uh, and it's only going to grow, right? For like from the time it starts, and people sort of like learn how to do it. It's only going to increase. If there's not going to be like this bump in the first year and then fall off, I think it's going to be the reverse where. Again, we got to make that cup bigger. That counts. We got to make that cup bigger. That counts. If it goes off the lip, it counts. But I think there are all sorts of creative ways that that the NFL could structure um, gambling in the sport. Like if you really want to go deep into it, I think you can look at horse racing and what they've done. You could sort of pick, you know, the top three uh, running backs in a given week, or you can sort of pick the leading running back in a given week three weeks in a row, like what they would call a pick three in horse racing. I think there's so many creative ways you can. Uh, activate that, that it's inevitable that it's going to happen. And the fact that it's essentially already happening with Daily Fantasy makes me want to say that it's it's time to just go all in with it. And, of course, there's the legal ramifications and so forth of that. Uh, but eventually we're going to have it be completely legal, and, and the NFL will be at the forefront. So that could happen within the next couple of years and within this CBA. If you're the players, you're not leaving the negotiating table without getting a piece of that pie. You're not saying, oh, sure, owners, you can just have all of that, and it won't count toward our uh, salary cap or something. They're not going to do that, which I'm sure the owners want to do. Do you think that we'll eventually be walking up to stadiums and betting on games before we walk into them? Because my understanding is that it happens in soccer in Europe, where you can bet on the game before the game, and then you can go in and watch it. Well, they have sports books in Europe like Starbucks in America. Like, every street corner has a... And it's like your different gas station companies. You've got your Cenex, you've got your uh, Speedway, your Holiday, and over in Europe, you can just... Betting is just so... Are readily accessible that yes um you walk up to the booth and you, you place your ticket and you cheer your guts out for the team that you're backing mm. and it, it adds a whole new level i think it could you know maybe even increase interest in the casual fan 
who doesn't know about the X's and O's, but knows that, okay, if that team has more points, I win money. Well, I do think that uh, that is a, a good angle that you grabbed because it's one I didn't think of. The only thing that I've been curious about is, A, is there going to be any sort of work stoppage, and B, are we playing 17 games? But I've sort of resigned myself to them playing 17 games because if you're the owners, it just seems like that's going to be a sticking point. And I have not wanted it to happen um, because 16 is just the perfect amount, in my opinion, that all the other leagues, 162 is exhausting. 82 games in, in basketball and hockey is too much. I wish that they would remove 10 games in the middle of the season and play a league-wide tournament in, in each of those leagues because it might be really fun. And instead, it's just this long, long grind that becomes tedious. But the 16-game NFL season, I mean, that keeps you gripped the whole time. There's, there's no dog days of the season. It's just a playoff from the start to the time that you get to the end of the year. And adding 17 to it, in my mind, makes you feel like, oh, man, it's, it's really started to get, uh, you know, it, it longer and exhausting and take a toll on players' bodies and shorten careers and all those things. But, you know, I well, on one it's hand, inevitable. But, but at least you're subtracting a game from the preseason, right? Now, that drags. The preseason drags yes. on and yes. on. And that There's fourth game is coming. so meaningless that I, I'm definitely happy to replace that that fourth preseason game with a 17th regular season game now does that does that make up for the toll that it takes on players bodies no because players that are going to be playing in the 16 aren't playing in the fourth preseason game anyway That's right. That's so right. it's an additional game for them um and when you start dealing with odd numbers like that you know going from six playoff teams to seven from 16 to 17 it just gets weird how they're going to figure it out. Like, who? what's the opponent going to be for the 17th game? I, I don't know how they're going to figure that out. Um, it, you know, the records are going to get all messed up, and we'll have to, you know, they'll be setting new ones every right. year. That's sort of a, and, a tremor that isn't all that important. But, and yeah, football has never really cared about that. Like the, it's not like the baseball people. Well, they've already gone from 14 to 16. Right. And, uh, yeah. And also, everyone throws for 5,000 yards, and they're just okay with it. Well, oh, Drew Brees has the record again or something, whatever. Remember when they gave him a piece of paper? Like, he set the, what was it, the touchdown record, and someone handed him a piece of paper that was laminated like this thing I have in my hand right now, and it just said, like, you are the all-time touchdown champion. <laughs> like, that was it. Well, they, and they had the, the pre-recorded video message of Peyton Manning, like, grilling something, and Peyton's like, oh, I guess I've got to do another one of these. Yeah, yeah. Drew, congratulations, right. and let this account for when you break the yardage record, which <laughs> is coming in a couple weeks. Right, right. So um, I guess since the NFL has never really cared about records like baseball people do, then it'll be shrugs from them on the 17-game season. That's not going to hold them back. But we'll see. I'm seeing more and more players tweeting, uh, quote tweeting the what the offer was from the owners and saying no deal, definitely don't want this, and, and so forth. So well, I think we're in for a lot of CBA talk, and it's unfortunate. Well, this is what we wanted, though, right? We want them to get this ball rolling with a year of ramp because it's yeah. going to be a back and forth. Good so for, for the owners to sort of plant their flag in the ground and now start the negotiations, at least they're working ahead on this thing, and, and we can have hope of not having a work stoppage because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'd rather cover football than not football, and I think the oh, players yes. would rather play it than not play it. So uh, at least now they can start going back and forth, making their various concessions, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top, probably the owners, just based on the way history's gone. Right, and I, and I think it, it always just ultimately gets worked out, and there's too much money on the table for everybody to walk away from it. 
Um, so anyway, Sam Ekstrom of Zone Coverage, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. We are at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We're in Hall B at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Uh, this place has a nice little buzz to it. Um, we've been watching people putt in front of us for a couple hours now, and uh, it's not going super well, but it never does with people trying to make long putts. Just want to remind you that uh, we have um, a brand-new golf show on Score North. 10,000 Swings with Brad Cole and David Branstad, and uh, they're two golf geeks. They're breaking down the latest in golf culture around Minnesota, latest stories on the PGA Tour. You can find 10,000 Swings at 7 p.m. Monday night on Score North, AM 1500, on demand also on Apple, Spotify, Score North app, wherever you get your podcasts. So um, just a reminder, we've got Golf Talk now every Monday night at 7 o'clock. Let's take a break. When we come back, we've got Hot Routes, and then at some point, I haven't seen Zolgad. I don't know when he's coming. So uh, he's practicing point, his swing. He will decide. Oh, that's not a good idea. He will decide who has the stronger all-time player team. And I'm also going to put it out there in the break on Twitter for whether your or mine all-time player draft, who has the stronger team. So we'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Score North download time. Jonathan here with this hour's download you can win four tickets to Arnie's Cabinet this year's 3M Open through the Score North mobile app. Download the app, register your app, and enter to win. Tickets include t- tournament admission for Thursday, July 23rd, access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent near the 18th Green, and complimentary food in a full bar. For tickets to this year's 3M Open, visit 3MOpen.com. Also over at scorenorth.com, Derek Wetmore has his piece on... Who could be next in line for a contract extension with the Minnesota Twins? Also, Judd Zolgad, who's coming up here in just a moment in Hot Routes, has five players who could have a much bigger impact for the Minnesota Vikings in 2020. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! 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 three. Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun Fletch right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 588! 397! All right, we are back here at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, Hall B inside the Minneapolis Convention Center. Matthew Collar, Sam Ekstrom from Zone Coverage. Judd Zolgad heard there would be hot routes, so he is here, and he's also going to play the lone judge and jury on our all-time teams. So Sam and I spent five minutes or so in a couple of segments drafting from every player of all time. And, of course, mostly put together guys that we saw, except for uh, some old-school players. So Sam's team is Tom Brady, Daryl Green, Lawrence Taylor, Marshall Falk, Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, Ed Reed, Junior Seau, John Randall, and Joe Thomas. My team, Rice, Manning, Reggie White, Walter Payton, Alan Page, Deion Sanders, Ray Lewis, T.O., Bruce Smith, and Anthony Munoz. Zolgad, give me your ruling. Is this is darn near impossible considering you took every all time player and threw them together to make two teams total. Off the top of my head. Oh, this is so tough. Let's break this down by team building. Team building. No, you so- know what? No, no, no. I'm I'm set. Okay. And I'm gonna vote right now. 
And in fact, he's winning 51.2% of the vote. Who is me? Sam Ekstremis. What? Wow. How? How is this possible? Sam is winning. Oh, now it's 50-50 after I voted. Wow. I See, I think I have the stronger team. <laughs> I think him taking Daryl Green hurts his team. <laughs> I love the fact that you have Alan Page. That's fantastic. But Sam took Lawrence Taylor, which is yeah. also fantastic. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know what's a little bit of a tipping point? For me, is Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, a, after he took Randy and, Moss. And you then, got Dion. Like, well, who's next? And you've got. But I have Dion. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, the best receiver of all time. He's not play when I want to play. No, I know. But if I <laughs> but if I'm doing one game of all time dynamic wise, I okay, mean, okay, yeah, that's right. This is tough. But I'm and Brady over. You know, Brady Moss Manning. and Gronk both have great chemistry with Brady already. I took that into account. Yeah, you, a nice job. You drafted the Patriots and figured <laughs> you couldn't right. go wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm sacking okay, who's Tom your Brady every time. Who, who's your coach, McCullough? Uh I'll take Belichick. Because uh, we'll cheat like crazy. Bill, Bill Walsh. Oh, man. Offense versus defense. Yeah, this great. would be great Do you fun. have the offense to do it? Yeah, you do. With Gronk and uh, Marshall Falk and Randy This Moss. would be a fun coach but, matchup. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them sort of cancel each other out. I have mm-hmm. three defensive linemen, so I think I'm getting after the passer. But Walter Payton and Marshall Falk kind of cancel each other out. Well, we'll see how the votes work out, and we'll Munoz, at the end of the season. Munoz also, what a that's, great player that's he a, was. That's a great pick, as much as I like Joe Thomas. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, it's time for Hot Routes. So, Jonathan, ramp up the music. We are ready to go here with Zolged from the uh, convention center on Hot Routes. Let's begin. So we got all these conversations coming out about the CBA, and uh, the, the one that reporters can really get behind is reducing the number of preseason games. I mean, that is one. If, if the collective bargaining agreement was for us reporters and they said, hey, uh, what do you think about reducing it? Yes, yes, we will reduce preseason games. They We'd be even, down to one. They, they don't even bring out the meals, like the regular season-level <laughs> meals for us after those. And the post-game interviews, guys you never heard of who we barely know we're like so uh good catch in the third quarter would you do that back in the metrodome days the worst the vikings actually had an auxiliary locker room because the main one wasn't big enough really wow okay. and and that's the, amazing and the Audie cole the famous Audie cole game where i believe he picked out three two picks? passes two picks? yeah he, he had two picks that i think he returned for touchdowns yeah he was in the ox locker room <laughs> so he had to like go into this closet i'm not kidding you guys oh, man. to talk to Audie cole all right so you've already started on what the hot route question is i want you to just give me your favorite preseason moments favorite moments of covering preseason oh so this wouldn't be covering but the vikings and cowboys tied in a preseason <laughs> game i think it might have been the fourth preseason game it was i, co- uh, I covered it it was 10 to 10 i covered it parcells so they played overtime yeah, they played overtime and tied. Mike Vanderjack missed field goals of 33 and 32 yards after Parcells opted for an extra point at the end to tie it. That and, is so good. And the great story about that, I covered that game. In fact, I believe it was the day before they acquired Brooks Bollinger okay. in the C.J. Mosley trade. Who could ever forget? And Sorry, Brooks. And they, I'm not kidding you, when Parcells kicked the field goal to tie it, he had told Childress, under no circumstances will I allow this to go to o- OT. Not only went to OT, but played the played OT. Played the whole thing. It was, Childress That's was terrible. livid, and he should have been. I would have lost it, my mind. I mean, I, as a reporter, I would have stomped out, I think. The only good thing is that that game was played in the old Cowboy Stadium mm-hmm. in Irving, and that was back in the day where Jerry Jones had Stella on tap in the press box. Oh, okay. So you They fine. still have uh, st- something on tap in the press box, as we learned this year in Dallas. <laughs> 
Um, as you learned, so, yeah. as you wrote. <laughs> what about you? Uh, mine's going to go, I'm going to go all the way back to, um, I, I was not covering this team, but the 93 preseason. And that was the year that the Vikings, I looked this up today, I forgot, they played five preseason games. And I believe the fourth one was against the Chiefs in Kansas City. And that was the year that they drafted in the seventh round Geno Toretta, the Heisman Trophy winner who came in against the Chiefs and played lights sure, out. Sure. And this was shortly after all sports radio had come to this town. And I think it was the first time that we truly had the, this guy's unbelievable. you <laughs> you you got to play him. Gino Toretta's yeah. got to play. And it sort of begat, like, Kyle Sloter, yeah, where mm-hmm. where everyone was calling in. You got Gino Toretta has to play. There's no question he has to play. Okay, he played against backups, and yeah. he's not that good. Yeah. They people still struggled with that last year quite a bit, and that was going to be my favorite is when Kyle Sloter got cut. But I don't know if that actually counts for a preseason moment. But so I'll go just vindictive too. It's not about him. It's really about how his dad tweets at everybody and emails people, and it's about all of the fans who only come out. Like, they only come out at night, but they only come out at night in, like, four days a year to yell at you about how this guy who has zero chance to play should be playing and should be on the team because they think, based on watching fourth stringers and no practices that they've seen they think that he's better than the other guy even though we've seen all the practices and mike zimmer told us okay rant over so that was my favorite moment ever but uh other than that it's the mitch leidner game for sure like mitch leidner at one point hyped by todd mcshay as a first round pick and then has this really poor career with the gophers for the most part and they sign him when he's delivering food for some app and he comes off the street, and it's, oh, Mitch, is this your big opportunity? Like, no, it isn't. But, you know, of course, what's he's going to say? It's like, it's, we just need a body to go out there and play. And there was all these articles written about how it was Mitch Leidner's time to shine, and it was awful. And uh, Caleb Jones made the team that night, though, by catching all these inaccurate Mitch Leidner passes. Great memories. That's, one, that's my favorite preseason. I've got one, one more just to add. The reverse parcels. When the Raiders were playing at TCF Bank Stadium, I think it was 2014, and they went for two, down by one in the fourth quarter to avoid overtime. And remember, the owner's box was adjacent to the press box at at, at TCF. So Mark Davis in the owner's box is screaming, like you could hear him through the wall, screaming, (laughs) why the F are you going for two? Oh, my god! Like wanted to tie the game and make like the the proper game theory – decision and kick the extra point and go to overtime which i think probably just go for two anyway even if it's the regular season because you're the raiders and you're probably bad right Uh, well and now you should go for two all the time give you one more two more uh one time one of the sims brothers maybe it was chris one of them was there one that was left-handed one that was right-handed matt sims was right-handed he was playing in a fourth preseason game for the bills against the lions he was rolling out, and one of the Lions players grabs him, and he goes to throw the ball, but he gets turned around and hucks it back toward his own end zone. He threw it. I'm not kidding. The ball must have rolled 20 yards toward his own end zone. Yeah. Just wh- how does that happen? You literally threw it the other way. And then uh, EJ Manuel was losing the job to Tyrod Taylor, and he was in in the fourth quarter. He led a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Think about that, a first-round pick playing in the fourth quarter. And in Cleveland, he shushed the haters after he scored a touchdown. He held the finger up to the mask, shushed the crowd. There was, was a that's great. There was a, a Metrodome preseason game. I think it was against the Broncos at one point, where Tavares actually got booed. 
in the preseason. Oh, I've seen that before. Yep, Bill's offense has been booed a number of it's times. Like, it's like <laughs> it's the preseason, and people were so tired of Tavares Jackson, they're booing him off yeah, the field. Yeah, it does happen. Uh, next question. Snacks Harrison, my favorite player ever, was released by the Detroit Lions, and for my money, that is the best nickname of all time in the NFL. A defensive tackle weighs 340 pounds, maybe more, being called Snacks. Give me your favorite nicknames of all time for NFL players. I've got a few down here. Primetime for Deion Sanders was great. Broadway Joe going way back for Joe Namath was great. Uh, During my, it might have been my teenage years or my early 20s, Ironhead for Craig Hayward. Hayward, yeah. Uh, and, and my last one is really old school, way before me, but it's one of the greatest of all time, Crazy Legs Hirsch for Elroy Hirsch of that's, the Rams. That's a good Crazy one. Legs. Because he, he, he ran kind of wobbly, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes, and he was a fantastic player. But, I mean, that now that's a nickname. Yeah. Crazy Legs, that's a nickname. Yeah. That's a real nickname right there. That's not contrived on Twitter. None of this hockey crap, you know, Stalzy. <laughs> Stalzy passed it to Ecky. No, <laughs> no, those aren't nicknames. Ecky, that was my nickname. Um, good one, Sam. Yep, thanks. Uh, so Beast Mode's pretty good. Beast Mode is good. Beast Mode's pretty good. William the Refrigerator Perry. Mm-hmm. Who's now not that, now wouldn't be that big. Right. That's he, the crazy thing. Like 280 or yes, something? he's not yeah. that big. What would be like a smaller version of a fridge? Just like a... Mini fridge. The be- yeah. <laughs> College dorm fridge. Just a cooler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I have the, be- the best one of all time, I think, is the Nigerian Nightmare. Oh, I love that Christian one. Okoye is one of my favorite players ever, Tech Mobile legend, and from Nigeria, didn't even play football until he was midway through college, and then becomes one of the great running backs in the league for maybe three or four years. The Nigerian Nightmare, to me, is the best, other than Snacks Harrison. Uh, Next question for you guys. The Bengals say that they want A.J. Green back. There's, um, I mean, think about how little respect A.J. Green gets because he's had bad quarterbacks, and he's put up great numbers, but they haven't won a whole lot. I think Cincinnati has a good case for the worst quarterback situation ever. Like, from start of their franchise until now, the worst set of quarterbacks. Kenny Anderson is pretty good. Boomer Esiason had a year where he won MVP. Yeah. But other than that, it has been a miserable, miserable time for the Cincinnati Bengals. Who do you guys think has the worst quarterback situation of all time? Like, if you put together their all-time quarterbacks, they'd be the worst. The Bears are pretty bad. Like, for for the length of their franchise... Post Sid Luckman, I mean, I know they won. Post Sid Luckman is a center. No, but that's. I no, know you're exactly right. right. No, I know you're they right, won but it's a, amazing. They won a Super Bowl with McMahon, which was sort of defense driven. But yep. you know, if you look at their last 30, 35 years, like Jay Cutler is by far yep. their yeah. all time yeah. leading quarterback, like doubling the stats of the number two guy, and that's Jay Cutler. That's one playoff win, Jay Cutler. Do you got an answer? Yeah. I had the Bears, but I, I also had an AFC team, so I will go with that because this guy was was perceived as a great quarterback, but statistically now he really oh, you're was take not. Mine, I think. The New York Jets. Yeah. Joe Namath. Broadway you know, Joe. But yeah, and we and everybody loved him. But if you look at the history of that franchise since I believe being an expansion AFL team known as the Titans. They their list of quarterbacks, you know what? Kenny O'Brien, Esiason after his Bengals years, it's been the torch has been passed. The draft picks have been made and have not worked. Uh, uh, Mark Sanchez, 
I would say the AFC, the Jets, are a team that really has lacked a truly dynamic QB. And the picks that Joe Namath threw, I think, probably don't qualify him quite as dynamic. I'm going to go with the Vegas Raiders. Their only quarterback is Derek Carr. Ha-ha. That's good. Jokes, everyone. And who knows? He might not be. Because Tom Brady, TB12, might be making his way to Vegas. Could be. It's been reported. How do we feel about Arizona as a franchise? Like Neil Lomax? <laughs> I mean, well, go back to St. Louis. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's Jake, a good one. Jake the Snake. That's another good nickname. Right. Jake the Snake was bad in Arizona and wasn't good until he got with uh, Gary in Denver. Yeah. And then you have Kurt Warner for a year, Carson yeah. Palmer for a year, basically, or two. And that was and that was Warner having gone great years Rams back up at the Giants, and he was not good with the Giants. And then bounced no. to the yeah. Cardinals and had one, you know, yeah, had a good year. That's a good one because I'm trying to think of their old school quarterbacks, and I there was never one. And the St. Dave Louis Craig, was Dave Craig there for a bit? He might have been, but Man. he was in Seattle more. So that's a good one. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is apparently appearing in the show Westworld. I want you guys to give me an NFL player appearance in a TV show <laughs> that you think would just what is Westworld? By the even way, even it is a, so good. It is so good. What is it about? I don't even know. It is about uh, a futuristic society where they're very, like, realistic robots, and they sort of have, like, a, a theme park that they inhabit for people's entertainment, but the robots get smart, and they want to leave their world. Ah, okay. <laughs> Doesn't that sound great, as, Judd? As robots always do. Watch. Don't they always <laughs> become self-aware? Does any robot ever just stay robotic? Because it's days? boring if they just stay robots. Oh my gosh. 2020. Pretty good. HBO doesn't make <laughs> junk. Um, anyway, I saw that preview, too, and I'm very excited for Marshawn Lynch's Marshawn role, Lynch. in is which I'm a, sure he's going to be a very nuanced... I don't know. I, they haven't told us. Has he got Skittles? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick on Survivor. Like, he's already he's already got that kind of castaway one. look with with the beard. I think he, he went to Harvard so he could maneuver the social and theoretical or strategical complexities of Survivor and play the social game, and uh, I think he'd be strong enough to survive for 40 days in the wilderness. Just because he looks the part. Yeah. Caller, I'm going to go with our show. It's been canceled, but who cares? Law and Law order, order, and I'm going with Jared Allen as a slick-talking <laughs> bad guy. That's good. Because Jared Allen... He plays the heavy. For, yeah. He could act for sure. He'd be a great sort of Southern-based, slick-talking bad guy on Law & Order. <laughs> I don't have an answer that's better than that. That is a really good answer. I was going to go with, I want a Pac-Man Jones reality show, like yeah. hip-hop moms with Pac-Man Jones or something. You know, uh, but no, I, I, don't have a better, I don't have a better answer than that. That's moms. Good. You know, whatever it is. So, uh, sometimes I'll watch uh, FXX because it has Simpsons on it. But the commercials for the other FXX shows, I'm like, what are these? Who watches this? Like, straight out of jail, and I'm still in love with them. Like, what? Uh, I, I mean, I guess that could be Pac-Man Jones as well. Jalen Hurts uh, said that he's only going to work out at the Combine as a quarterback because um, he's, he's quarterback. a quarterback. <laughs> That's why. Second in the Heisman Trophy. He's never played any other position. Nobody has asked Justin Herbert about this. Anyway... Uh, give me Jalen Hurts' floor and ceiling and an NFL comparison. Mm -hmm. I think his floor is Josh Dobbs, like former SEC quarterback with sort of pretty good mobility, kind of gets buried on a depth chart. Like in the wrong situation, 
where you're behind a Ben Roethlisberger. It's just you're, you're not going to emerge very easily there. I think the ceiling is someone like Jacoby Brissett, who kind of got in a situation where he could be trusted for long periods of time, you know, a couple different seasons. Um, I think they're, they've similar statistical tools. They're different quarterbacks, but um, I think Hertz could sort of fit into that mold where he could be like a, a part-time starter on a team, you know, in a pinch. Hmm. I, I'm going to go ceiling yeah ceiling first and slightly more optimistic than you Sam I'm going to go ceiling so he maxes out and th- I say this not only because of skill but also mentality and the fact he's won Deshaun Watson I don't think he gets there but if you're asking me like the absolute ceiling the, the, the he running knows how, around he the knows how to get presence and I do yeah. think that he's won a lot and I don't think with guys like that that's a complete accident yeah I agree with that uh, the floor I am going to go Mitch Trubisky Okay, Mitch yeah, Tr- I could definitely see Mitch that. Trubisky's a great floor mm. now. He really is. Like he's the ultimate, just rub your feet and and clean your shoes off guy. <laughs> so I'll say that if it all just falls apart for a guy like that, because the athletic talent's still there. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky. I want to say for a ceiling, Dak Prescott. That's a good wow. Idea. He was a fourth-round pick for some of the same reasons. They didn't think he had a super high ceiling, and he wasn't as accurate as they wanted him to be. Prescott's turned out to be really good, and the way that Hurts threw the ball this year in college, maybe, maybe. I just can't get past the fact that Hurts like, couldn't hang through the playoffs with Alabama and then had to leave to play somewhere else. Yeah. That just bothers me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Joe, yeah. Joe Burrow didn't win his job at Ohio State. But he lost the job to a guy that I absolutely love and would love he to yeah, pick. He might be too. the best quarterback like, in the draft. It's yeah. not a fluky. Well, two is okay. If two is healthy, I think two is a superstar. So, and and Collar's right now. This this whole free agency of college quarterbacks, it's just like game on. Hey, didn't you used to play for the Buckeyes, and now you play for the Nittany Lions? It's It's crazy. I've got a floor, but the guy doesn't move, so just bear with me with that. Like Nick Foles, where he can have good games, and he is a great guy that you want around, and he'll be a backup for you, or he'll be a starter for you, and he'll surprise us at some point. We'll go, yeah, man, remember Jalen Hurts? He put 10 years into this and finally got his shot, and he won some games, but he's not going to be a great quarterback. I think that's his floor. I I think he could stay in the league and be a backup and get his shot every once in a while, and that'll be about it for him. Well, That's if you've right. got mobility, like I, I still think you've got a chance to at least, you know, kind of be at least yeah. a flash in the pan, if not more. I was thinking of someone who's just been a really good guy as a backup that you would want as a team player. He'll That's find one like, team yeah. and win, 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 and then sign elsewhere yes. and lose, lose, and then go back to his old team and they'll win again. Okay, final question. Make it quick. Russell Okung had this long thread about the CBA that was kind of mind blowing because Russell Okung is a very bright guy. Uh, who's the smartest player you guys have ever covered? Uh, two answers quickly. Randy Moss is the smartest football player. The smartest person I've covered, Matt Burke. He aced the Wonderlick test. That's not easy to do. But but Moss is a genius football IQ. I, I would say of the guys I've covered, just maybe recency bias here, but Stephen Weatherly is up there. Stephen yeah, Weatherly yeah, is Vanderbilt. extremely intelligent. Terrence Newman probably a, a close second. Terrence Newman was my answer. Uh, Latavius Murray, really intelligent mm-hmm. guy. Um, football smart Harrison Smith is probably the smartest football smart guy. Uh, real quick, the results of our all-player draft. I am winning 63% of the vote, almost 200 votes. Sorry, Sam. He wouldn't Sam. have given if, if he weren't winning. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I would have just said, have a nice weekend. <laughs>
NFL Combine Tuesday will be there next week. I look forward to it from the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.